0: Well, good morning, River Church. How we doing? Great. Woo! Man, for the worst day of the year, that was an amazing greeting. So thank you. How many of you guys are happy that you're here on Time Change Sunday? Let me hear amen. Amen. Man, that is some, I'll be honest, I kind of expected when I got up here and it was like, good morning, it was going to be like, ugh, but no, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, We are, if you're new here with us today, uh, we are actually finishing up. A series in Song of Songs today, finishing up a seri- Our series in Song of Songs. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's a book written by King Solomon. Uh, it's it's really a song or a poem written t- between him and his or two uh, his wife or two one of his brides. And so, uh, if you've been along, man, the journey's been deep, hadn't it? The journey's been hard at some places, and the journey has not been G-rated. Amen. You didn't expect that coming to church, did you? Like, we've said the word sex in church, and it's been weird. Y'all, see, y'all even, can't even laugh at that because you're like, can we joke? Is that okay to joke about that, right? Um, no, but it's been, I, I hope, um, as we've talked about the, what a picture of, uh, that Solomon paints for us of what biblical intimacy uh, in a marriage looks like. I hope that it's been um, good. I hope it's been empowering. I hope that God has worked and moved in your relationships, and and not just a marriage relationship, but wherever you are in life. I believe that Song of Songs and this book, these principles that Solomon has showed us and written to us can apply to so many of our relationships. Amen? Right? There's so much good that you can take and apply to so many of our relationships. And so, man, I hope that it's been a blessing to you. And, and if you remember this, this journey that we've been on, weeks one and two, we started off talking about all about what uh, uh, the foundation of intimacy in there for their relationship, for their marriage looked like. It started off with showing one another constantly that you value one another. That can apply to all of our relationships, can't it? Uh, Showing one another that you affirm one another, affirming one another, creating a place for vulnerability within the context of the relationship. That was weeks one and two. Weeks three, we talked about what the Bible tells us uh, godly sex looks like. We said it's affirming. It's a place that creates a connection, emotional connection between two people. It's passionate. And you're like, can you say that? Yes, it's passionate. And that's okay. It's two people choosing to wholly give themselves one another and it's a beautiful thing and at the end of the day we said it is good meaning it is blessed by god is a gift by god to two people who come together in marriage it's a beautiful thing and last week we talked about what happens in marriages when conflict arises because as we all know in any relationship and especially the marriage relationship conflict is going to rise amen yeah, there's a bunch, everybody who said that, like, they know they're married or you're liars or you're newlyweds, right? But we know conflict arises in all of our relationships, especially the marriage relationships. So we looked at how, and it was funny because uh, we, as we tracked along, week three was about their wedding night. We talked about the beauty of that, and then immediately the next chapter is them getting into a fight. How ironic is that, right? And so we talked about... A healthy, how you deal with conflict in a healthy way. We looked at how they did it, which was choosing intentional actions instead of reacting to one another, remembering to see the best in one another, because oftentimes when we get in fights, we get in arguments, all you see is the worst in the other person. You see everything bad about them, everything wrong, all the worst and everything about them, and you forget who they are, who that person is that you love. And we said, hey, talk, don't walk, meaning I'm all in. Don't give up on one another, fight one another, and then the last thing we learned from Solomon last week is get really good at forgiving. Get really good at forgiving. This week, as we finish up, as we finish up, we watch as the king and his bride ride off into the sunset. We watch as they have their happily ever after, and as we know, right, that's how all marriage relationships work. You get married, and you just ride off into the sunset, and it's happily ever after, right? It's just beautiful. You never fight again. Life is just good. It's easy. It's Wrong. Hey, easy back there. Easy. Easy. No, I, like it's not a picture. It's not a Hollywood movie, right? It's not, it's not Beauty and the Beast, right? He marries Belle and she turns him into a prince and they live out. Like, I want to see Beauty and the Beast when they've been married for 15 kids, got four kids, the Beast hates his job, and Beauty's tired of being a soccer mom. Amen? Like, that's the movie I want to see. That's the one that helps me, right? Not like, okay, there's a flower, and they kiss, and like, no, no, no. Tell me the one. 15 years, four kids, hates his job, soccer mom, tired of the van. That's the movie that helps us. That's the movie that helps us. So with that said, thankfully, Solomon and his wife show us that happily ever after is a process. It's not a, it's not an end result, right? It's not an end result. It's a process. It's something that you strive for constantly. And so thankfully, Solomon and his bride in chapter 8 leave us with some final wisdom on what lasting love looks like, what happily ever after can look like, what, what a marriage that, that, is, that is filled with lasting love strives for and experiences within the context of that marriage and that relationship. And, and just like they gave us foundations for a healthy relationship in chapters one through, through 1 through 3, We're going to see what a beautiful relationship can look like 50 years later. So today we're talking happily ever after, a love that lasts. And we're going to pick up in chapter 8, verse 5. Chapter 8, verse 5. I might need a second cup of coffee this morning. Let's see. Um, chapter 8, verse 5. And, and we're watching, if you remember, there's been several different characters in this song. There's been Solomon, there's been his bride, and, and there's also been her friends. And a lot of times she goes and talks to her friends and gets advice from her friends. Last week her friends helped her find Solomon when he had left the fight. Um, and, and if you remember, uh, week one she talks to her friends about how she feels uh, unattractive in her appearance. Uh, and so they've, they've kind of been... Somebody she turns to to talk through throughout the series. Well, now we pick up, uh, her friends are commenting on Sol, uh, Solomon and his bride as they see them kind of riding up from the wilderness. So they, they've been off on a journey, they've been somewhere, and now they see them as they're riding up her, their friend's comment. And they say, who is this coming up from the wilderness? leaning on the one that she loves. And the idea is kind of like, again, like an old movie. They're watching as they're, they're coming up from a far distance, and they're either on a chariot or a horse, and, and she's leaning on Psalm. I mean, like she's got her head on his shoulder. He's got his arm wrapped around her. And, and it's kind of this cute, lovey-dovey kind of picture. It's this sweet picture. And, and some scholars believe that at this point, uh, they say coming out of the wilderness because they're coming out of, really, uh, towards the end of their journey together in life. And so as they're looking, they're thinking, maybe they're commenting on, okay, this is their later years of their life, and they're kind of an older couple at this point, point. and so they're kind of watching as they ride up, and even though they're an older couple, they still like each other, amen? Who would have thought, right? And so they're watching as they're riding up, and she's got his head on his shoulder, and he's got his arm around her, and, and it's kind of a picture of if you think, you know, every, you ever go out to eat, and you're, you're looking, and you see kind of the older couple in the restaurant, and they're sitting there together, and they're talking and laughing and sharing, and you look at that, and you go, oh, man, that's. That's, that's pretty beautiful. Or it's a wedding. You go to a wedding, and you see maybe somebody who's been married for 50 years, and they're, they're dancing together in the wedding. You look at that, and you're like, oh, man, I want to picture of that. Or, or if you're lucky like I am, you have a couple like that in your community group. They sit, and they talk about how they love each other and care about each other still, and they cry talking about each other uh, and how they take care of each other. And you get to look at that uh, as a younger couple in your community group, and you go, man, what a blessing that is, how beautiful that picture is. And you go, I, I want that. I want to strive for that. It makes you believe that it's still possible. Amen? It's beautiful. It's faithfulness in life. And so we look as their friends watch them riding up from the distance and comment on how beautiful it is. And then the woman, Solomon's bride, begins to speak about their love. And she says in verse 5b, the second part of verse 5 there, she says, I awakened you under the apricot tree, we learned a lot about apricots in this series, didn't we? Right? I awakened you under the apricot tree. There your mother conceived you. And they're talking about how even at this point in their marriage, there's still passion for one another. There's still intimacy for one another. He says, there she conceived you and gave birth. Verse 6, she says, set me as a seal on your heart. A seal on your heart and a seal on your arm. For love is strong as death. Jealousy as unrelenting as sheol. Love's flames are a fiery flame, an almighty Flame. The first thing we love learn today, uh, as we see Solomon's bride begin to talk about their love, the first thing we learn about a love that lasts is that lasting love is a special relationship. Lasting love is a special relationship. It's unlike any other relationship you will ever have. It's unlike any other relationship you will ever have have. In ancient times, she says, set me as a seal on your heart and your arm. In ancient times, and even today, uh, but mainly back then, a seal, you you may know what they're talking about there. A seal's like that little metal uh, object, and it has like your, maybe your initials in it, or your signature in it, and you would melt like wax. Maybe you're writing a letter, and you would uh, melt wax on the envelope, and you would seal the envelope with your seal. You know what I'm talking about? This is the idea that, that they're talking about, and a seal in ancient times was one of the most important things that a king could have. Because it literally represented his word. It represented his honor. If he sent you something with his seal on it, it was as if he was speaking it to you. You get that? It was personally his. And oftentimes a king would wear that seal as a ring on his finger or as a necklace around, uh, around his neck. right? So that it would stay close to his heart so that no one could steal it because it was that special. It, w- it was one of the king's most important possessions. It was as good as his word, his actions, that seal represented him. It was inseparable from being him. And so when she says, set me as a seal upon your heart, she's saying, I want to be inseparable from you. I want to be the same as you. I want to be, as long as your heart beats, as long as your heart beats, I want to be completely yours and you be completely mine. We will be one in the same, and, and now I'm not saying that lasting love is a special love that means that you, you lose your identity and you become the same person, okay? Although we all have seen pictures of older couples that look exactly alike. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you look at them, you're like, y'all look like twins, this is weird, right? To be honest. Or also the ones where people look like their dogs, that one's even more weird, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the idea she's painting for us is that as he would be a seal on, she would be a seal on his heart, that their love would be incredibly personal, because the seal was extremely personal, so that their love would be extremely personal and special, that, that, that this would be a place of intimacy, connection, value, that they would hold one another in a position on their hearts that no other person on this world would share. You want to see that? That, that they would hold, because a seal represented who he was, and so it's set me as a seal on your heart. I want you to hold me in a place on your heart that no other person gets to be, that no other person would have uh, that connection to you, no other person would have that access to you, no other person would share what I share with you in that way. It's saying this relationship, the marriage covenant, the marriage relationship is wholly unique and special and different than any other relationship that you will have. Amen? The marriage relationship is more special, more personal. It is different than any other relationship you will ever have. There are things she's trying to show us that you will share with the person that you shared your marriage with, that covenant with, that no other person gets access to. Amen? No other person gets to be a part of it. And we're not just talking about sex here. We're talking about feelings. I share feelings with you that no one else gets to see. I share emotions with you no other person gets to see. We have conversations that no other person gets to see. We have life together that no one else gets to see. There are protected things within our marriage that no other person gets to see because it is wholly special and separate and different than any other relationship you will ever have. And oftentimes we run into trouble because we don't differentiate those things. We bring our friends into the same areas of there. We bring our family into those same areas. We bring other people. We, we, we put our kids in that same pedestal, that same area. And they don't get to sit there, man. They don't get to sit there. They're important, they're special, they're valuable, but only your spouse, only your marriage covenant gets to sit in that spot on your heart. It is a holy, unique, and different relationship than your kids, than your parents, than your family, than your friends. It is different and special and unique than any other relationship you will ever have. And we need to treat it and hold it as such. Amen? And number two, lasting love is a place of protection. Lasting love is a place of protection. See, the seal on the heart uh, signifies that it's a special relationship, unique from any other relationship they will have. The seal on the arm was similar to like a wedding ring, uh, is kind of what that represented, but it's a seal on the arm that, that signifies a place of protection for her. She's saying to her husband Solomon, you are my protector, you are my defense, you're my place of safety, and not just from physical danger, but from the world. When the world gets crazy, you're my safe place you protect me. From friends, my friends lose their minds, you protect me. When my family gets crazy, and we all got crazy family, amen? And if you didn't say amen, guess who you are? You're the one nobody wants to invite to Christmas, right? Somebody just went, oh my goodness, he's right, right? (laughs) Sorry, we provide counseling, we'll help you with that, all right? She's saying, I want our relationship to be the most special relationship of any relationship you have. And I want you to be a place of protection for me. And, and by the way, guys, this is one that we cling to. We hear that and we're like, yeah, I'm getting a gun. I'm going to take my girl. I'm going to take care of her. But no, no, no. This goes both ways. Amen? This goes, amen? This goes both ways. There we go. There's the ladies. Thank you. This goes both ways. Now, I'm not saying that if we walk out and somebody tries to rob you, husbands don't go, honey, you heard the pastor. Right. Get him. Right. No, no, it's OK. I mean, she may. She, I mean, there's plenty of women here. That I'm sure that can kick my butt. OK, so I'm not saying that you can't. Right. But men, you can protect your wives. But what, what I am saying is oftentimes we think of as men. OK, I got to protect my girl. That's for me. And we think I can't be vulnerable. I can't let the walls down. But ladies, I got to be honest. Our men need you to protect and value our hearts as much as we protect and value yours. Maybe he's beat up at work and he's tired of that boss that just won't leave him alone and he feels like his work isn't valued or he feels like he's not good enough. He needs you to protect his heart. He needs you to care for his heart. Maybe, maybe he needs some encouragement. He needs to come home and know that when he sees you, whether it's date night or whatever that is, that you're a place of protection and encouragement for him. See, we often think of men as the only protectors, but ladies, we need you to help protect our hearts too. Amen? Men, y'all need to be, say Amen. Amen. Marriage is a place that is special, wholly unique from every other relationship, and the marriage relationship is beautiful because for both of us, it is a place of protection from the craziness of this world. Katie and I have a, um, I've shared this with you before, but we have a painting that, that sits up on our mantle in our house, and it's a little home, and outside is dark and gray and scary, and outside of the home is like, looks like tornadoes and dangerous weather, and on the inside of the home is a a man and a woman, they're holding one another, they have a baby in their arms, and there's flowers, and it's colorful, and it's beautiful, and it's a picture of what our homes can be. A place of protection from the insanity of the world, and that starts in your marriage relationship. Number three, I'm rolling fast today, y'all feeling it? Number three, you're like, I don't feel fast to me, right? Number three, a lasting love is passionate, and persevering passionate and persevering look at look at verses six again and verse seven she says set me as a seal on your heart a seal on your arm for love is strong as death jealousy is unrelenting as sheol love's flames are fiery flames an almighty flame a huge torrent cannot extinguish love rivers cannot sweep it away and you hear that and you're going what like let's be honest you read that and she's like our love is special our, our love, I want you to protect me and our love. Our love is unrelenting as death. And you're like, oh my goodness, lady, right? Like, run, Solomon, this lady's getting crazy. <laughs> what's she saying? Our love, she says, is unrelenting as she'll. What she's saying, and this is a, a kind of a poetic way to say this. We may think it's kind of weird, but what she's saying, what's, well, I'll, I'll ask it this way. What are two things in this world that are certain? There we go. And she can't tax him, right? What she's saying is our love is that she says unrelenting, right? What she's saying is as certain as death. That's powerful imagery, isn't it? And now we may not chose that. It's not like the most like, right, you're writing like your, your Valentine's poem to your girl or guy. You might, you know, are like, I love you as much as death, right? Or, you know, certain as death. You're like, right? But, but that's kind of what she, that's what she's saying, is that the fact that I'm going to love you is as factual and as strong and proven as that there is, will be, death. She's like, the only thing I know in this world, two things, is one, that I'm going to die one day, and secondly, that I'm going to love you till the day I die. That's powerful, isn't it? Because we read that, and we're like, as unrelenting as death, like, What are you saying, woman? She's saying, I will love you, I promise, until the day I die. As certain as I know one day I die, as certain as I am that I'm going to love you until that day. What she's saying is, I have set in my mind and in my heart that our love will always persevere. You see that? I have said in my heart and in my mind that regardless of the struggles, man, she says that torrent may come and try to knock us down, strong rivers may come and try to extinguish, extinguish our love, but she's saying, I will persevere, I will fight, no matter what, ain't nothing going to stop me from loving you. That's powerful, isn't it? That's powerful. It, it, there's another way that it's said, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, Amen love. A love that lasts is a love that perseveres. Because let's be honest, uh, all the, everybody in the house, and you may not, you may be afraid to amen this one, but married life ain't easy. Some of y'all went, he ain't getting me, right? ain't getting me on that one, right? I love it. It's great, right? The best thing I ever did, crying inside, right? Sometimes it's downright stinking hard. But a love that lasts is a love that chooses to continue, chooses to love, believe all things, trust all things, hope, I'm not giving up, I'm not giving up, persevere to continue to work and not get up. It's beautiful. You know what it is? It's a picture of the way that God loves us because his love for us perseveres through all things, even into the cross even to the point of sacrificing himself for us, for God so loved. I love the translation that says, for God loved, so, but that word so loved means in this way. So a good translation is, for God loved in this way. This is how he loved you, that he sent his only begotten son, that he should die for you. Now that is a beautiful picture of sacrificial Love, that's a love that is, uh, perseveres through all things, right, and, and, and it's passionate, and when I say passionate, we're not talking about like, like smooching and like sexual stuff, we're talking about a picture of passion, that I love you so passionately, I love you so strongly that I'll do whatever it takes to keep this foundation strong. The Bible speaks of God's passionate love for us in Ephesians 2, 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love. Why is he rich in mercy because of his great love? And that great love is a strong love. It's a passionate love. He is rich in mercy for you because of his passionate love for you. You see that? See that? Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Therefore be imitators of God as dearly, you could put passionately, dearly loved children. Why? Imitators of God because of how he dearly loves us. Walk in love as Christ also loved. What did he do because of his love for us? Gave himself up for us. Sacrificially, as a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. You see, River Church, a love that lasts is a persevering love, and it's a passionate love, meaning it's a strong love. I will sacrifice for you. I will give myself for you. Not And sometimes not what's best for me, but what's best for us. Amen? See, the world that we live in, lives in, is that good? The world we live in teaches a really beautiful principle. You do what's best for you. You do what makes you happy, right? If it ain't working for you, get out of here, man. Go find something else. The problem is something else is hard too. Amen? Sometimes it just comes down to choosing which hard you're willing to work through. God says, "Love one another as I have loved you." That is a persevering love. It is a passionate love. It's a this is sitting in your notes, but it's a sacrificial love. And I'll, I'll say this, man: in any relationship, this this applies to any relationship, but especially the marriage relationship. You get two people that are willing to love one another in a persevering, passionate, and sacrificial way. That's a love that is beautiful, and that's a love that will last. Amen. A love that lasts is special. It's unlike any other relationship you will ever have. It's a place of protection. It's a place that is a passionate and persevering love. And then in verse 7, the second half of verse 7, we see that a love that lasts is a priceless love. A priceless love. Man, when you have it, don't you take it for granted, man. We need to treasure it. We need to value it, and, and you know I almost went past this comment here that she makes, but this state. But I feel like it has, I, th- I feel like it has a lot of value for us. Here, here, here it is, verse eight seven. She says, "A, a huge torrent cannot extinguish love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If a man, here it is, if a man were to give up, to give all his wealth for love, if he were to give all his wealth for love, it would be utterly scorned. Meaning, if a man tried to buy love, we'd make fun of him, wouldn't we? You are like, mm hmm." You know what he's referencing here, at least what I think about? The 90-year-old dude who's married to the 20-year-old woman. and he, ha- he just so happened to have a lot of money. Don't y'all act like I'm being judgmental. Y'all think the same thing, right? Like, I can't believe it. It's true love, Pastor Mike. Whatever, man. You must be old with money hoping to find a 20-year-old, okay? You know, there's a lot of things in this world that can be bought, isn't there? You, you can, I mean, you can buy loyalty. You can buy friendship. You can buy sex. You can can buy possessions, you can have a nice house, you can have a big car, car, big house, nice cars, fancy vacation. There's a lot of things in this life you can buy, but the one thing you cannot buy is true love. The one thing you can't buy. Because love cannot be bought, love is a choice. And that's why it's so funny because as Christians we try so hard to buy, and you may not think of it this way, we try so hard to buy God's love. You may not think you're doing it, but, but what happens is we see a God who loves us so passionately and strongly and sacrificially, and we go, I don't deserve that. You're right, you don't, right? But we go, I don't deserve that. And we go, well, i got to try to earn it. i got to try to deserve it. I, I gotta, and, and what we're really saying is i got to be able to buy this so that I'm worth it, right? So we go, I'll go to church, so God will love me. I'll pay my tithe, so God will love me. I'll serve on the serve team, so God will love me. I do right, And we do all these things thinking I'm going to buy God's love, I'm going to earn God's love, I'm going to deserve God's love, but you can't buy what is given freely, You can't deserve what is given freely, right? Love is, God's love is beautiful because it is given passionately, sacrificially, and freely to you. Beautiful. And in a marriage relationship, we understand, or any relationship, we must understand that love cannot be bought, it is priceless. Meaning, one, stop trying to buy it, number two, give it freely. Give it freely. Don't don't keep trying to make that person earn it because they can't. And by the way, that's not love if they're having to earn it. That ain't love. That's debt. That ain't love. True love is priceless. One of the greatest gifts that God gives us is the capacity to love and to be loved. Not just by him, but by one another. One of the greatest gifts God gives us. And a love that lasts understands that love is a beautiful gift that cannot be bought, cannot be earned. We stop trying to buy it, and we start giving it freely. Amen? Now her brothers interject on the conversation. You guys remember the brothers? Probably not. They were all the way back in week one, and she had some scars because of her brothers, if you remember. They had done some things to her that were harsh, some things that were unfair and she, she had some issues. Because, as a matter of fact, she tells Solomon, because of the way my brothers treat me, basically I don't feel like I'm a beautiful woman. I, I haven't taken care of myself. And so, th- so now they work through that. And if, you, if you've been with us along the journey, you've seen how uh, in their marriage, God has actually transformed that into this beautiful thing. But now the brothers come back in and they start trying to interject in the conversation here in verse 8. And they say, our sister is young. So she's been talking about the love between her and Solomon. And the brothers come in talking about when she was a little girl. They say, our sister is young and she has no breasts. What will we do for our sister on the day that she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build a silver barricade around her. If she is a door, we will enclose her with cedar planks. And so as they interject, what they're trying to say, I'm not going to spend too much time here, but they're trying to comment on her her purity, And so they're saying she has no breasts because what they're saying is she's a little girl, right? She hasn't developed yet. And so they're saying when she was a little girl, what we did is we wanted her to stay pure. And so we built up walls around her. We were willing to build up walls around her <clears throat> to keep her safe and pure and protected. And, and, and that's kind of the background there for verse 10 where she says... <laughs> Now, remember, they said, we, want to, we basically want to help her be a wall. Look what she says. Because, again, she's got some issues with her brothers. She says, I am a wall. I am a wall. Essentially, I took care of myself, gentlemen. And I stayed pure. And I stayed good. I, I, I took care of myself. And she says, this is just funny to me. She says, and my breasts are like towers. And Solomon said amen, right? Next. What she's saying, it's not sexual. She's saying, I'm not a little girl anymore, gentlemen. Now I'm a woman. I'm, I'm, a fully, I'm a woman, right? She says, so to him I have become, talking about her husband Solomon, to him I have become, and this is one of the most beautiful phrases, I think, in the whole passage here. I had, so to him I have become like one who finds peace. See that? You see a lasting love A lasting relationship, a lasting marriage is a place of peace. And the word she uses for peace is shalom, which is, as you know, an incredibly important word in the Hebrew language. It means completeness, well-being, wholeness. What she's saying is, in my presence, when we get together, my husband finds a place of shalom. When we get together, my husband finds a place of peace. He's able to find Wholeness, encouragement, friendship. And she says, I am a wall, but he gets to come in the walls. And he, when he gets to come in the walls, he finds friendship, encouragement, a place of happiness. He finds peace in me. If you remember in chapter two, all the way back, he spoke over her and he said, My banner over you is love. And that's the same thing that God says to us, but she said, he said, My banner over you is love. And now she speaks back to him and says, My banner over you is peace. Isn't that beautiful? My banner over you is peace. And again, when I think of that, it's like earlier when I was thinking about a place of protection, I think of that word peace as the home. As the home. Because uh, so oftentimes, no matter where you live, you can live all over the country, but ultimately when you're in that marriage relationship, that person becomes home for you. Amen? That person becomes home. And what she's saying is, after a long, hard day, we want to come back home to peace. It's the, and it's not, a, it's not a place, it's a person. They get it. (laughs) We need them in here, guys. Peace isn't a place. It's a person. And She's saying, when you come to me, when you're with me, I'm that person you look forward to being with. Because when we come together, when you're in my presence, you find a place of peace. A place of shalom. It's an absolutely beautiful picture of the marriage relationship. And finally... 11 through 14. It says, Solomon owned a vineyard in bel He leased the vineyards to tenants, and each was to bring his fruit, 1,000 pieces of silver. What she's referencing is Solomon's great wealth and the fact that he had, if y'all remember, he owns lots of vineyards. He's the king, right? So he owns lots of stuff. And what she's saying is, you're rich, you got a lot of stuff. But look at verse 12. You got a lot of vineyards, but I have my own vineyard. I like this woman. She's strong, man. You got a lot of stuff, I am my own vineyard. And by the way, if you remember, all throughout this series, when she refers to herself as a vineyard, she's referring to her, right? She's not referring to a vineyard, she's referring to her. So what she's saying to Solomon is, you got a lot of stuff, you own a lot of things, but I own me. You catching that? I own me. And she says, the the 1,000 are for you, Solomon, but 200 for those who take care of its fruit. You dwell in the gardens Uh, Companions are listening for your voice. Let me hear you. 14, run away with me, my love, and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of spice. And so she says to Solomon, You got a lot of vineyards. You own a lot of stuff, but I own me. I am my own vineyard. In essence, there's a lot of stuff that you own, but I ain't one of your things. But then she ends in verse 14 by saying, I own me, you, don't, you got a lot of stuff, you don't own me, but I choose you. You see that? Saying, you own a lot of things, you got all these vineyards, that's great, I'm not one of your possessions, and yet, in my love, I choose you. And she says, let's run away together, King Solomon. And I think it's a pretty beautiful ending to the book. Because we opened with her talking about vineyards and how she had to work in the vineyards, how she felt ugly because of the manual labor she had to do in the vineyards. And then at the end of of Solomon, or end of Song of Songs, she looks back to King Solomon and she says, I am my own vineyard, now feeling strong, powerful, beautiful. And she says, in finding who I am, I choose you. And she says, now let's run away together and enjoy the mountains. And again, we talked about what the mountains are, right? And she says, let's run away together, enjoy one another. And it's the picture of happily ever after. It's a picture of let's run off into the hills, let's be together for the rest of our days. Ultimately, at the end of the day, lasting love is a lot of things. But a love that lasts at the end of the day is two people who choose each other every single day. Day. And everybody said, you don't fall in and out of love. You choose love. Choose that person. A lot of things, a love that lasts is. It's special. It's unlike any other. It's a place of protection. It's passionate and persevering. It's self-sacrificing. It's priceless. It's a place of peace. It's two people choosing each other every day. And it is beautiful. Amen. River Church we have learned so much from King Solomon over this last month or so and if you hadn't I'll tell you what I'll be transparent I have I have and I was Katie's gonna be mad at me for sharing this but I will last week before we talked about the the healthy conflict tell you what man we gotten a good one yeah it was a fun one and we literally went back and looked at these things we were talking about came let's deal with it in a healthy way I have learned so much studying and going through this book about what love looks like. And I'll say this to you, I hope you have. And I hope it's been a blessing to you. I hope that it's, man, I hope that the words of the scripture have been a gift for you in your relationship. That I want to challenge you, that it does not end here. Right? Because if you we can sit through the last five weeks of this sermon series and go, all right, got some good stuff, and then move on, man, you lost it. You missed it got to take these things, take these principles that Solomon has given us, really that the Holy Spirit has given us through, through his word, through God's word, and take them and apply them and use them and have healthy conversations and have good conversations and be honest with one another and transparent with one another and humble with one another, speaking love and truth to one another, that our, and not just our marriage relationships, that all of our relationships might find healing and be, be better. Right, because something you're thinking, you well, I got, I ain't got no relationships burning down, man. I'm good. You can take these things, apply them to your relationships, and they will be better. They will be better. They're a gift to us. And, and so, my hope for you is that, man, you take, take the scripture here that we've shared. That, man, it just, it just blesses your life. That you find everything that you need, not, not, not in a sermon, but in power of the Holy Spirit and God at work in you. And so today I, I, we're gonna respond and, and you you respond however you need to, man. We're, the band's gonna come out and they're gonna we're gonna sing another song and you worship and you praise God for his goodness and the picture of what love looks like and his the words we find in his scripture. Maybe you need to pray, and you can come down to these altars here. You can pray. You can, maybe there's somebody you need to pray with. You grab that person. They don't want to pray with you. Grab them anyway and make them, right? They're not going to stop you. There's a bunch of people looking, right? I'm just kidding. They're just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that, right? Pastor said, now I'm arrested and in jail, right? Thanks a lot. Don't do that. But if, man, if there's somebody you need to pray with, don't be a coward. Do it. The pastor's called you a coward. If you don't, I am, right? Do what, do what you need to do. The last thing we're going to do, and it's a beautiful opportunity, is every week uh, we have the ushers come and they pass out communion. So you have an opportunity to take the Lord's Supper and and just worship the Lord for his goodness. We take communion because of what Christ did the last supper with the disciples where he took the bread and he broke it and he said, my body will be broken for you. My blood will be poured out for you. And ultimately, we worship him and we know what love looks like. We understand what love is because we have experienced it through the passion of our Christ, through his sacrifice and resurrection of the cross. Amen? Through salvation. So maybe if that's, the I'm just gonna worship through communion and honor God and praise God for that. You do it. You do, you respond how you need to do it, okay? Stand with me, River Church. I'm gonna pray and you respond how you need to. God, I love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for a Song of Songs as we walk through it. Just a beautiful picture of, of the marriage relationship that it is and, and really all relationships. And God, I just pray and ask that we would apply your word to our that, that like you, like in the Old Testament, that we you said we would write it on our hearts. We would write your word on our hearts. And that as we apply it to our lives, as we follow your Holy Spirit at work in us, that you would change us from the inside out, that you would heal us, that you would be at work in us, that we would experience you and your goodness and never be the same. I pray that we would respond in the way that we need to. We respond to you today. In Christ's name we pray. Everybody said